I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. It's time to get outside. This is KSL Outdoors. Brought to you by Trax Power Sports Rentals. Two hours of stories and information on hunting, fishing, and high adventure. KSL Outdoors with Tim Hughes on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Good morning and welcome to a brand new day. Pleasure to have you waking up with us here for a Saturday morning. Truth and Advertising, again, we're recording this program on Thursday uh, this week for Air As Live, as we like to say in the business, for you here on Saturday morning. Hope you enjoy the next couple of hours. Uh, always a pleasure to have you with us. And uh, back in the saddle today, not just uh, Tim Hughes, by the way, coming from uh, the South Prod studio at Triad Center here at KSL News Radio in downtown Salt Lake City. But uh, Navidomskis is also back with us this morning and back to school, too. So we're interrupting your day. Right. This is the usual ritual. Um, I have you on my schedule. It's like a class on Thursdays at this time. So, yeah. I'm always glad you're here. Next week at this time, you know where we're going to be, right? I'll be in Florida. <laughs> um everybody expects this from us, I think, at this point after listening to the program for years. But uh, let's talk football for just a second because uh, it, has there been a bigger game for Utah? Well, I guess there has been, but not to start the season. Uh, than, no, there hasn't been one. a bigger game, Tim. And by the way, I was there for the Michigan game, and that was the biggest game of our thing. And then I was there for the Sugar Bowl, and that was the biggest game. And I was there for the Fiesta Bowl, and I was there for the Rose Bowl, and I was there for the championship, and they're all the biggest game. But to and start the, way, the this season. This still different. If we don't win this game, our season is sunk. And people say, oh, we'll still win the pack. Nope. We'll have no credibility nationally. That's what we're fighting for. We're trying to get to the college football playoffs. And if you would have talked to me last year, I didn't care about the playoffs. I only wanted the Rose Bowl, but now I want the playoffs. And by the way, we don't win. We go nowhere. You are all or nothing, aren't you? Yeah, it's fact. In fact, look, it doesn't matter if we win the Pac-12. We're really happy we get the Rose Bowl. But back east, they go, see, those guys can even hold up to our fourth best team in our conference, the Gators. Well, but, you know, the swamp is vicious. It, Nobody wins in the swamp, swamp but Gators, and that's a fact. Nobody's won since 79 against a new quarterback in the swamp. So we're going to have to go in there and that yucky. I heard this one guy from Las Vegas who was an odds maker, and he goes, oh, if the youths were playing, he's had his actions. Yeah, if the youths were playing in Salt Lake, the Salt Lake, they would lose by 20, but they're in that nasty swamp. So I have the youths losing by two. Mm. Yeah, uh, it, there's a lot at stake here because the Utes are going to come in preseason ranked top 10, and this is a, a SEC team, obviously, and even though this team, I, they had a losing record last year overall, but they were 5-1 and one at home. And yeah, but 88,000 people. Yeah, that's the swamp. I mean, look, we're talking SEC. If you have a five, you win five games in the FCC, you're really, really great. And, and I'm just saying, you know, it, it really does matter if we win this game, and it's going to be really, really hard to win in the swamp with that humidity and yeah. all that craziness. Well, and you have the first game jitters, too, that anything can happen on both sides of the ball, really. Right. 
Right, and and that's what I'm hoping for. We have pretty savvy bunch. We got a lot of experience, lots of field time together, and I don't think they'll crumble. And I we got to put them away big because they're going to come back. That's that humidity. You can't get around it. It's going to catch up to us. So we've got to have a large margin going into the fourth. That's the way I see it. All right. And uh, last thought here: they got a new coach too, which also uh, raises some question marks for a new a new uh, scheme for on the footballs on both sides of the football. Yeah, but they have the best coach they could possibly get. Napier, are you kidding me? He doesn't lose. He only lost five games, and that included the first day he was there. This coach is phenomenal. They're going to be on the map forever. we got to get them now. All right, but so- we got to get them now because we're that good. And, and by the way, we're seventh, but you've talked to anybody. They says everybody had us mathematically at four. We've signed up as four if you look at all of our stats and everything, but nobody had the guts to put us four. They put us seven because they're so skeptical because we're Utah. All right. We're just eight the first three minutes of the program talking football. But yeah. do you have a score prediction before we move on? Yeah, Utes win. That's it? That's it. You're not going to tell me two points, eight points? No, I like to think 10, but I'm not going to be audacious okay. like that. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, enough of the football. Let's talk about outdoor stuff here. You got some fish bites for us this morning coming up? Of course. You're talking to Navi here. I'm yeah. talking to myself in third person. I've got to ask you this question because uh, you've got to get back to class before I have my conversation with Randy Oplinger, who is with the Division of Wildlife Resources. But I'm curious about your feeling. Uh, they sent out a uh, press release this week talking about the changes that they're proposing in uh, fishing and for water bodies around the state. One of the things is classifying the round-tailed chub as a sport fish. Your thoughts on that? Yeah. I hate the term trash fish. It's it's racist. I don't get it. Why would you call any fish a trash fish, especially if it's native? Yeah, I'm glad they're making it a sport fish. It should have been. I would love to catch one. They're monsters. Do you eat, and by the way, do you eat these guys or no? No, I don't eat anything. You know that, Tim. All right, um, but would would they be edible? Would they taste good? That's the question. Well, good is relative, but absolutely they're edible. They're absolutely edible. And by the way, that's so funny we're talking about. To check into my fish bites because for the first time I'm going to tell you how to cook a fish. Really? Yeah, because I got a little special information to tell everybody about this moment in time, and you should tune in. Okay. Uh, we'll have some news of the week coming up here in just a few minutes. Let me tell you what else is on the program today. Finally getting back with Roger Eggett. He has been uh, on the road, and I mean all over Europe, for the last three weeks. Uh, but he's back home up at the cabins at Bear River Lodge. And uh, my son, Corey, took uh, his buddies that he takes care of in his uh, house there for autistic adults up there. And they had a fantastic day, although it rained most of the day one day. Uh, they, one of the guys that, uh, lives in the house actually caught his first fish and, uh, he, Corey was there to witness that. So, uh, I'll share some of those experiences in our conversation with Roger Eggett and they just got their new, um, cabin up and running. So I'm sure he's going to tell us more about that. That's later in this hour. Randy Opplinger, I've already told you, will join us to start the next hour from the Division of Wildlife Resources. We'll talk about some uh, proposals and changes for uh, the fishing regulations and some of the things they want to do in Utah. We'll go road tripping with the boys, and they're actually on the road today. I'm not sure where they're going to check in. I think, uh, literally, they're going to pull over to the side of the road to give us a call, so we'll find out where uh, Mark and Bob are this morning. And then Emily McDonald from Park City Resort is also going to join us. We got the email, Navi. They've set a date, November 18th, on the calendar for the beginning of the Park City ski season. This is going to be my greatest ski season of my life. 
The most I've ever skied in one year is 56 days. I'm going to get 80 because I'm retiring. <laughs> Speaking of dates on the calendar, January 16th is a big one for you. Yeah, it's my last day to be a teacher. Um, I'm going to be on the mountain every day. I tell my colleagues, I'll substitute if there's no snow. You'll always be a teacher, Navi. But, right, uh, right. That's last, true. Last day That's in the classroom. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to talk to Emily, though, because, uh, and people no doubt saw some of the pictures. If you're a skier, you, you no doubt saw some of the social media last year from uh, not Park City, but some of the other Vail resorts and ski resorts in general just overrun on some days where there was big snow from the number of people. And there were literally lines in some. Uh, uh, Breckenridge. Breckenridge was the, was line the one I've ever seen. Uh, and some people didn't get on the mountain. They were in line, but didn't get on the mountain until noon in some cases. So they're going to try and take some measures to curb that by limiting day passes in some cases, making sure people get some reservations ahead of time. They're also going to charge for parking, which I think is going to alleviate some of the frustration when you get to the mountain you know unfortunately tim our resources are limited and our population isn't so i think that's in the future for everything we do including fishing i think reservations is the future Hmm. well we'll let emily explain what's coming there there are some other exciting things they're doing including one of your uh, favorite uh, spots to grab a little opera afterwards uh there on the mountain on the canyon side of park city and we'll uh, let her explain what all of that is about. But uh, she'll be joining us in our usual snow day segment uh, slot, which is coming up at 735 this morning. You know, we're a month away from uh, the, well, actually, the meteorological end to summer is only a week away. Yep. Uh, but we're four weeks away from uh, the calendar uh, end of summer. And so we'll look forward to uh, Turning the corner here and getting some cooler temperatures, hopefully, after breaking this record of uh, 26 days, or is it 27 now, of uh, 100-degree days here in the state of Utah, at least in the northern part of the state. It's horrible. Yeah, it's been really hot, and uh, we're looking forward to some cooler air and certainly looking forward to some snow. There was actually uh, a uh, social media post, was it yesterday, Wednesday, Tuesday, or Wednesday this week, of one of the passes in Colorado that had snow on the ground. So uh, maybe, just maybe, it's it's coming. We'll, uh, That's your hope. Yeah, we'll take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll have our news of the week. So Nami's going to help me with that. And then look forward in the next half hour to talking with uh, Roger Eggett from Bear River Lodge. And Nami will have your fish bites. Don't go away. More of KSL Outdoors Radio just ahead. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen. 
Welcome back. Take a couple of minutes here to take a look at some of the news of the week. I, I know I asked this question at the beginning knowing that the answer is no, but Navi, uh, you probably haven't seen the videos that I shared to our Facebook page, which is KSL Outdoors Radio. Make sure you put radio on there. If you put KSL Outdoors Show, you'll get Adam Eagles, which is a great page, but uh, you won't find what we're talking about here. I, I reposted uh, some videos of crazy, muddy waterfalls, and I mean gushing waterfalls into Lake Powell in the past week. Did you see them? Not yours, but I've seen many video of that. Very phenomenal. Yeah, uh, and, you know, everybody that saw it was liking it and loving it and talking about let's just hope that it continues to flow. What I would love to know right now is how much the lake has actually come up from some of those monsoonal rains down there. They've wreaked havoc, obviously, in small towns, including Moab, where they are continuing to do some cleanup to try and get things up and running for businesses that were just messed up with a lot of mud. Uh, They're trying to get things done by Labor Day weekend to uh, accept the crowds that are coming, but... You can't help but uh, be grateful for the water that's going into Lake Powell right now. Oh, absolutely. But don't think it came up maybe an inch. I'm saying that thing is a long lake. Yeah. I mean, it's huge. Yeah. To get an inch of water in that lake, it's a whole lot of water needed. In fact, the fact that it's so low really tells us how severe the situation is. Because all that probably didn't move it maybe an inch. Yeah, uh, but that's still a lot of water, as you mentioned. Right. I also wanted to make mention here for people that are boat owners and have uh, been frustrated in the past. We were talking about how we're going to have a conversation with Emily McDonald about alleviating some of the frustrations for skiers with uh, paid parking in the early morning hours in some of their uh, parking spots. The uh, Division of Wildlife is trying to alleviate some of the frustration of boat owners when it comes to waiting for quagga mussel decontamination. Uh, wherever you go and play, particularly down at places like Lake Powell, they've come up with a new online dashboard that is going to help you gauge how busy the state's inspection stations are before you get there. So, you know, if if you have the option to go more than one, and there are 40 different inspection stations across the state, if you have the option to go to more than one, you can t- actually take a look at, and gauge how much time it's going to take you to do it. And at least know ahead of time that you're going to have some downtime and what that downtime looks like. I think it's a great idea. Oh, absolutely, because all of a sudden everybody wants to go at the same time. That's horrible when you got a big line. I would have thought Lake Powell would be the busier one, but they tell us uh, inspection stations at Deer Creek Reservoir and Sand Hollow Reservoir round out the top three busiest. Uh, well, yeah. because they're near, they're near populations, and like I say, everybody has the same idea at the same moment. Lake Powell is more planned, and it's a different trip. It, it makes perfect sense that the places where the lines would happen would be near humans. Do you remember the project, and I don't know if you were actually participating in the program back then, but a, a project when down at Yuba they were asking for people that had uh, real Christmas trees to leave them in a certain right. parking lot because they were going to use them for habitat Right. Uh, for the uh, young. They did that at Willard Bay one year, too. Yeah. Well, there's a new one, uh, uh, Habitat Project, that is going on. Let me figure out where it is here. Um, it's at Andy Adams Reservoir in yeah. Layton. Yeah, it needs it. They said uh, the only vegetation down there was uh, some vegetation along the shoreline. There was really nothing in the water itself, which is where the fish obviously have to be. Right, and that's an underrated fishery. I fished there quite a bit. Um, yeah, you, you got a little channel over there by what is, I don't know, the... The 11th, 11th green at, at um, 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 
gosh, I can't remember the name of it. Valley View, Valley View Golf Course. Yeah. That area, the trees kind of hang over and they get some grass in there, and that's literally it. So it definitely needs vegetation. Well, get this. Uh, they are putting 100 artificial habitat structures in the reservoir. Matter of fact, they did it in June, and uh, they're kind of interesting looking. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what they're made of, but they uh, look like little artificial reeds with uh, small tires, rubber around the bottom of them to keep them anchored. And uh, right. that, hopefully that's going to help those fish grow bigger and uh, live longer. Well, particularly the warm water species that they put in there, okay? The warm water species, they do hang around those. I mean, if you're fishing for smallmouth or perch or whatever, you know docks, docks and sunken boats. That's the best. Willard has a, a houseboat that's sunk. And by the way, nobody knows where it is, but I got up. I, I know exactly where it is. And, and that's the place to be because that's where the little fish hide from the predator fish. And that's where you find the predator fish trying to find the little fish. I'm going to share that information over so you can take a look at what those look like in case you go up there fishing and see something in the water, you'll know what it is. But the division wanted to say many thanks to Utah Habitat Council for funding this entire project. A hundred artificial structures have already been put. Uh, into Andy Adams Reservoir. All right, we're going to break. We'll come back. Roger Aga will join us from Bear River Lodge, and Navinomskis will come back with your fish bites. Stay right there. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.